This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to the Clay Young Show. Glad to have you back again here on Podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107.3 mobile app. It is the Clay Young Show, our weekly get-together. And this week, we've got a packed house. It's the largest number of guests I've had in the studio at any one time. And one of them actually broke through and signed in the bottom section of the door of fame, on the door of fame. And I'll tell you about these men in just a moment. Uh, First up, want to remind you again, you could subscribe to the show on iTunes, hit that subscribe button, and it'll pop into your podcast app every time there's a new broadcast. If you're not an Apple device user, you can get the show right at the website, listen to it there. We're working on something with Google right now that I'm trying to get wrapped up really soon, and uh, hopefully we'll have that done before the end of the summer. This is the 125th edition of the Clay Young Show podcast, 125, man. And today's show features a conversation with some men who are working with young people in schools, particularly high schools, uh, in Baton Rouge, in the Baton Rouge area. They work with an organization known as Stand for Children. Stand is an advocacy organization. They work with electeds and schools, and they are their, their prime directive or one of their primary goals is to give children an opportunity to go to school in an A or B school. And they've done great work across the state. They are based in New Orleans, but they've got groups that they work that they work with in other parts of the states as well, uh, including Baton Rouge and Estruma High School, long known as one of the more well-known schools in Baton Rouge, is coming back, and it's coming back with some upgrades and improvements and a refreshed vision for what that school can do. And these men are going to talk. We're going to talk with a couple of coaches. Uh, the Baton Rouge director for Stand for Children, the new principal of, of Estruma High, and someone who's working as a liaison between the school and the school system. And it's going to be, I know, a conversation that you will enjoy. Uh, we actually have already recorded the conversation uh, before this opened, so I can preview it and tell you that they are brutally honest about everything. And they will give a perspective for those of you who have never really involved, gotten involved in the inner city and ha- haven't gained an understanding of how and why certain realities exist or gained an understanding of how you best reach children in tough situations because the formula for reaching a child who lives in poverty is different just as long as you reach them to give them an opportunity to break the cycle. It was a great conversation. I truly enjoyed it, and I'm excited about your opportunity to hear what we're going to talk about. And that conversation with these men will happen next. Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. Clay Young here with Brian Lowe with Brian Lowe Financial online at brianlowefinancial.com. You talk a lot about bank accounts and what people have in savings. How does one know how much money they need in their bank account? Well, you know, it's different for everybody. There's a big picture rule, three to six months of, of living expenses. Okay. But I'll be frank with you. We have a systematic process to get that answer. You know, you ran into the house, you have a deductible. Mm-hmm. The wash and dryer goes out in the same week. Yeah. You got to buy that. AC and, goes yes, out. Someone calls and says they need 10 grand. They're going to yeah. pay you back. Right. Yeah. That's right. A wink, wink. 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 Uh, I have to mention, uh, you're thinking about retirement. Mm-hmm. Then the, the tires blow out. You need to replace all four. Right. right. So, you know, things do happen. We have a systematic process to figure out that answer. Mm-hmm. Then from there, we can put all the money in the, in the semi-risk column to get 7 8%, and some in the risk-based column 
30% or so to get additional growth. So you can get this information. Brian has trained and helped families all over Louisiana. Look him up online at brianlowfinancial.com. This is the Clay Young Show on podcast225.com. Back with a fantastic group of men who are working with an organization that most of you know I hold very dearly, Stand for Children. They do a lot of work across Louisiana helping children, all children, because at the end of the day, every child can learn. All they need is an opportunity. And I'm going to let these men introduce themselves. I'll start to my right here. Who are you? My name is Reginald Douglas. I'm the principal at Estruma High School. Estruma High, right here. Uh, good afternoon. My name is Marlon Cousin. I serve as the community liaison for the Spadmunch Parish School System. My name is Eric Brown. They call me Coach Eric. And I'm <laughs> Coach. the newly elected uh, <laughs> alumni uh, president. And also, I am an organizer with Stand for Children. All right. My name is Jeremy Grady. I'm the new head football coach of Ostroma High School. Fantastic. Let's start at the beginning. Obviously, we were talking before we came on air about some of what y'all are doing. And it's obvious that all of y'all in the room have a passion for education and young people. How did you get connected with Stand for Children? Well, uh, I've been knowing Coach Brown for some years. I've been, I actually started my uh, career at Estruma High School. And uh, Coach Brown has always, uh, since I've been knowing anything about Estruma High School, Coach Brown has always been there. And so uh, Coach Brown, uh, you know, uh, throughout the years, I've seen him at games, I've seen him at you know, all school functions. And uh, Coach Brown works for uh, Stand for Children. And, uh, and that relationship I have with him is why I'm here today. And before you talk, because you're, you're liaison with the school system, I'll jump to Coach and I'll actually come to you last. Mm-hmm. Coach, let's talk about this. You're getting involved with Stand. Obviously, you, you're passionate about motivating young men, but how'd you get involved? Well, the school was, was about to be taken over. And I basically tried to do everything myself. And I realized that I couldn't. Right. And, uh, and that's when Stan fall, fell right in hand. And uh, I feel like for me, that's the best thing that could ever happen because uh, I've always I've always advocated for kids. And uh, so they basically gave me that push and resources. And Coach, uh, being involved with these young men, we were talking before we came on about how we can grab some of these young men and, and get them to fall in love with their futures through sports by way of education. Right. How'd you get connected? Well, basically, I've, I've been coaching for over 10 years, and uh, through through coaching, I've had the opportunity to network with some great individuals, yeah, uh, including Coach Brown. Mm-hmm. And uh, through that that networking opportunity, he was able to see my passion that I have for kids mm-hmm. and how uh, that translates uh, from football to, to life. And uh, that's how we're connected. And I'm, I'm very fortunate and blessed to be surrounded by these great men, and you know, we're going to take all of our ideas and all of our motivation and and use it to inspire the, the youth in our community and at Estruma High School. Let's talk about, you talked about being a liaison with the, with the school system, and there is a commitment, and that commitment has always been here in some form or another, but you know, Warren Drake is really wanting to grab these young men. This relationship with Stand and then the work that's going on, kind of talk me through that. Well, this is going to be a unique opportunity. Uh, obviously, with the reboot of Astruma High School, we're now giving some hope to that community. Mm-hmm. Uh, 70805, our message is that may be your zip code, but that's the, that does not determine your destination. Right, right. So we're going to look at you know educating the whole child and their families as well. Uh, one of the things that we will have in place there at Astruma High is a community center. Right. So we're going to be able to uh, share information and, and, and be able to educate the community as well as the kids that they're sending to us. So so uh, this is a unique opportunity. Again, we're excited to be a part of it. And um, I want everybody to come out and see what we're doing at Stroma. When I sat on a panel uh, for VIPS, great organization, about a month ago, and we talked about education. And I've been saying this for, you know, I've been in media over 20 years and, and being around this subject. I think every child can learn. Children learn at different speeds, but every person learns at different speeds. Every child can learn. And sometimes I think that's lost in the cracks when people are talking about education. Am I wrong, man? No, you're you're absolutely correct. I've been in situations now. I've been in education for for about 20 years now. Mm -hmm. And uh, and, and during my time in education, I have seen teachers come inside of a classroom, 
a classroom with kids who people thought that they couldn't succeed. Yeah. And at the end of the day, be, you know, one of the most successful teachers with some of the most successful kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, Last school year, I had a teacher uh, who uh, walked inside of a classroom and took some kids who people thought would, you know, not be successful. Uh, This school year, he's a a finalist for Teacher of the Year. And those kids did exceptional. And because those kids did so good, he's been recognized. But... You know, so I'm a firm believer that every kid can learn, but you have to have some dedication and you have to be willing to, you know, provide them with what they need, hold them to high expectations. And, uh, and I don't think there's a child in this world who can't achieve, you know, what you want them to. Why do we miss it? Why, why do we miss it now? Not like not education was the cornerstone of America 50 years ago during the climax of the civil rights era, it was all about the opportunity to get educated and to get your own square of dirt someplace. And then somewhere along the way, that all changed. And now information, like I, I tell my kids, y'all don't even know what an encyclopedia is because y'all have Google. That's correct. <laughs> so, but how do you miss it now? When all of them are walking around with, I'm holding up my cell phone with, with a piece of, with a computer, a hard drive in their pocket. How are, we, how are we missing it? Well, the easiest thing to do is to not hold somebody to high expectations. Oh, wow. Right. And so the hard work is, the hard work is holding people to high expectations. And sometimes, you know, people don't want to go through that. And so, you know, it takes a lot of work and dedication to hold a young person to high expectation or whatever. If you're yeah. Athletics, if yeah. it's academics. And so that's what we're missing out at. You know, we have to be willing to hold people to high expectations. We say that word a lot, mm-hmm. you know, in our education. But, you know, high expectations are, are, are important. Clay, I chalk it up to building relationships. Okay. Building relationships is key to what we do every day. Right. If these young men and women know that we truly care of them, that mm. they know that we're genuine and sincere in our efforts, they'll do almost anything for yeah. us. Yeah. So that is the key. Yeah. And many times we take a lot of things for granted. We do not realize that many of these young men and women that we're going to be handling, for many of them, the safest environment they know is when they're with us when they cross That's the threshold so of our facility. Yeah. So we really have to get to know them. We need to get into their communities. Mm-hmm. We need to build relationships with the families. It's too easy to, to write a kid off, oh, he's lazy, he's always sleeping in class. But if you dig into it, you may find that this kid may be the oldest child, and he's there, and his mom's working multiple jobs. Right. So therefore, he has to be the big man of the right. house and make sure a young brother and sister is fed. So by the time he gets to school, he's worn out. Worn out. So therefore, we have to find wraparound services to assist that entire family Maybe assist that mom in getting a job yeah. in which she do not have to work multiple jobs. Do you think, and I see Coach getting ready to say something, I, w- I want you to, but, but let me say this. Don't, don't you think at times we are using a 1980s model for a new millennium kid so often when, when like you just talked about, they're dealing with atmospheric things when they leave the school. M- most of us could never understand. Sure. And I think they're, they're being judged on a standard that no longer exists. Is that unfair? Uh, it is unfair. The bottom line is we expect these kids to behave and adhere to middle class norms. However, the majority of the kids we're serving are coming from high poverty. Abject so poverty. Abject poverty. Yes, sir. Yeah, I was just going to say. Pull that mic up to you and tell us who you are. Just came I'm in Anthony the- Dennis. I'm the city director with Stanford Children. Um, the principal touched on expectations. I want to say that. Working with the community, we found that having high expectations for the school board yeah. and the services provided for the students um, is really important because without those high expectations, you're setting students up to fail in the 21st century. And, and let me share this with you. So when we talk about high expectations, we, you know, we say, what, is that, what does that look like? Yeah. And so I'll tell you what that looks like. That looks like me as an educator on the weekends putting together great lessons for these students yeah. so when I get to school, they can be successful, and that's where the hard work and the dedication comes in. So it's easier for me to it's easier for me to show up, you know, half prepared. It's easier for me to show up, you know, you know, you know, with a lesson that's you know good for everybody. Yeah. But am I willing to put in the work to you know build lessons for each individual child? Am I willing to be up on Saturdays and Sundays working for the kids? So when I get to school on Monday, so this is where the real battle takes place. Yeah. And this is the work that, you know, people don't want to do. And, right. and so am I willing to put in all that hard work on the weekends, after school, to make sure that when I get there, I actually have what the kids need? You know, we talk about meeting the needs of the kids. 
But that's what it takes to meet the need. It takes hard work. And a lot of times it's easy for us to say, look, that kid can't be reached because we don't want to sit down and actually plan for that kid or see what the problem is, like Mr. Kuzan said, and actually try to meet the needs of that child. And so it's easy for us to just walk away and say, okay, the child is difficult to deal with. There's no lying in these kids. If they don't like you, you know it. (laughs) If they respect you, you know it, Right. right? And I like that about them. Because I find that so many adults are full of crap that you can't tell if they're with you or not. And with these kids, they're hurting. They have all these things going on. Can you imagine being a 15-year-old boy in 2017 with all that you're exposed to, right? And so you guys, you know, coach, coach, y'all are dealing with them where aggression is the fuel, you know, to winning. And you're, you're getting them coming in. And for so often, and, and I certainly don't, don't want to put words in your mouths, but when I was a kid, coach served as a father figure for so many young men. Coach was like, daddy, you went to class because you didn't want to piss coach off. That's right. <laughs> and so let's talk a little bit about these young men that you guys encounter um, and that you have encountered and that you do now encounter uh, who you have an opportunity to get them to fall in love with something because they want to play. That's right. Um uh, prior to, to coming uh, to Stroma, having this great opportunity, I was at a school uh, where athletics wasn't the centerpiece. It wasn't the primary focus. Mm-hmm. So it had to be something there to make those kids come and play yeah. for a, a, a school that was developing, didn't have tradition athletic-wise, right. uh, you know, and didn't have success as far as wins and losses. So yeah. I had to be a father figure. Yeah, I had to make sure that they understood that it's so much bigger than wins and losses. How, how was that to you when, when you realize I have to be a dad to this kid? I, I, ha- I can't just be his teacher. He needs me as a man to fill a void that doesn't exist. Oh, it wasn't shocking to me because that's who I am. Yeah. You have to understand, uh, I, I'm from Baton Rouge. I had opportunity to uh, grow up and play football at Woodlawn High School. Mm-hmm. and uh, I played with some tremendous guys, tremendous talent. But what you'll never know or never see is some of the talent that I play with that you'll never hear their names. Right. And those are some of the greatest players I've ever seen. But what does, what point does it serve? Mm-hmm. So I said, you know what? If I was in authority, if I was a coach, I would have done everything in my power to make sure this person didn't go to prison. Yeah. I would have done everything in my power to make sure this person gets his grades. So he can take advantage of that ability. So what I did, I said, you know what? I'm going to take my passion, take my love, and use it and try to direct kids' lives. And that's what I've been doing. So Fantastic. when I when I uh, got the opportunity, that's that was just natural. Um, I've had a lot of kids, just like we mentioned before. Uh, they, they, as a matter of fact, I won't say his name, but my quarterback was a kid that was he was completely wrote off. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was completely wrote off, and I have a member in here who saw it because he was uh, Coach Eric. As a matter of fact, he was close to the program. And he had the opportunity to see it. Well, this kid was completely wrote off, and I say, you know what? I don't care what you've done before. I didn't know you at that time. You have a clean slate with me. Mm, this cool. is the thing: we have standards, we have expectations that you're going to be expected to meet. I don't care about your talent. Your yeah. talent is going to help you. Once you get in the game, yeah. But if you don't meet these standards that's in line, you won't make it. To do, what was the reaction to that? The reaction was initially it was initially defense defense mode for yeah. him. Yeah. But after constantly showing him, I'm not bending. Right. Uh, I had a kid. My I had my first child uh, about a month before the season started. Wow. I tell you what, the person that called me every day to check on me was that quarterback. Wow. He say, Coach, I just want you to know I'm just checking on you, and I'm letting you know, Coach, take your time. I'm running the team, Coach. I, I got it, Coach. Don't there worry. There was a leader in him. He was a leader in him. All along. He was a leader all along. He was the kid that if he if he didn't feel like doing homework at school, the whole school wasn't going to do homework. <laughs> if he tell them to do homework, the whole school was going to do it. So once he saw that I was on his butt, and, 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 and it's only one leader in here. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to help mold you right. to where you can become your own leader. Yeah. Once he saw that, he say he used that leadership and used it in a positive way. And that, yeah, and, and, and it's, I believe it's going to serve him a great benefit. He, not only did he uh, become a tremendous asset to our team, but he graduated from high school. This was a kid who was wrote off. 
So that's that's what we're about. That's, that's what we're about See, in that's Oklahoma High School. Powerful building yeah. relationships. And if you've never gone into inner city communities, yeah. it's hard to understand the formula. These are kids who care. The whole sometimes the way it's characterized mm-hmm. to me is a little bit insulting. It's it's the conditions that they're coming from, mm-hmm. but they can learn, right. and they need to be challenged. And there was a leader in that kid. The whole, the you know look, culturally speaking, for young black males, they respond to strength. If they know they can't push you around and you're the bottom line, you become their protector even when they don't admit it. And that's what you did for him. And how many kids have been lost because we hold them to standards that are unfair for them? So many. So let me ask you this question about, you know, principal and working with the school system. And you guys are both educators and and in athletics. Describe for me and, and Anthony, I want you to get onto this as well. Describe for me your formula for changing education. And what I mean is in 2017, about to be the 2017-18 school year, if, if you were tasked with creating the formula in your specific area that would grab kids and to make them at least commit either because they love it or because they're going to use it for an expected end, what would that formula look like? The first thing I like to say, and we talk about respect, all right, kids don't do well. They don't do well for people that they like. People <laughs> only, kid, kids only do well for those people that they respect. Yeah. And I, so kids do well for people they respect. Not Popular those, is overrated. Not, not, the, not the people that they like. Right. And the way that they, that they respect an educator is you be a professional. Right. Do meet their needs. That, right. That's your job. Right. And so I heard Cole say it. Cole said it's, it's who he was. It's, it's a calling. Yeah. And so uh, if I could create a school that I know would just be successful, right. what I would have was a, a bunch of people who, you know, knew that education was their calling. Mm-hmm. And everybody in that school, you know, would be dedicated to kids, work hard, and meet their needs. A bunch of people who knew, look, you know, education is my calling. Yeah. All right. And so that's the, that's the number one thing I'd have, you know, if I had an ability to start uh, a school that I just knew was going to be successful no matter what. What do you say? Uh, the big thing is we're going to focus on something unique in that we're going to be a values-based education. Explain. A value is simply a principle that guides our thinking and our behavior. So we're going to create a strong learning environment that's going to enhance the academic attainment. It's going to develop the student's social and relationship skills, something that they can take with them for the rest of their lives. Right. You and I take so much for granted. Mm-hmm. We many. I, I hate when people say, oh, the parents don't care today or the kids don't care. I beg to differ. Many of them just don't know. Yeah. And that's where we I don't it. like generalizations. That's the point I was making earlier yes, about sir. a generalization because I can guarantee you, based upon what you see now, if you knew where it started, I'd take your money on a bet. That's correct. Guaranteed. And so I think you, you and so when I go and talk with kids, I, I'm not trying to talk about today. Mm-hmm. They don't care about right now. What they care about is where it started because they respect the start more than anybody can have a nice car, mm-hmm. big house, nice clothes. I mean, but. How do you make me respect the struggle by by showing me how you understand it and you got through it? Is that fair? Yes, it is. Is that fair? So, Coach, what would you say about about this? Perf- your formula for, and I'm talking K-12, getting, doing it the way you want it to where the, it would work best for the customer and the customer is the child, primary customer. First, I like what Mr. Douglas said. One, you have to practice what you preach. And, uh... And um, basically, I've, I've had many father figures in my life, you know, and I had a great father, but uh, uh, Mr. Tack Jackson was Pull that mic a little closer to you. He was a good father figure in my life. Howard Davis was a good father Paul figure. Davis? Howard Fox. Davis. Fox! Yes. That's one of my dearest friends, yes. man. Yes. You didn't mess with Fox. <laughs> I don't that, know if he goes anywhere is, without a gun on that him. Is a, that is a great father figure. <laughs> <laughs> And believe me, he was he was very hard. He was yeah, very hard. Yeah. But, but believe me, he made yeah. me a better man. Well, know? look how good five is because of of the role model he had. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so it was it was much bigger than uh, sports for me, at, especially since I graduated from a Yeah. Uh, and and believe it or not, um, Mr. Jackson and 
and Howard Davis ran us through my high school. Yeah. And he wasn't the principal. Right. He was the football coach and the basketball coach. Mm-hmm. And uh and basically everything that I do now is it was instilled in me from them. Yeah. You know. And uh and the way they got me involved with a was as soon as I graduated, you know. And don't get me wrong, I came from a good home. I really sure. did. Sure. But uh but it made me see the other side also. And uh it just made me want to help, even when I was in high school. And uh and from there, it just went on. And I've, I've been volunteering at a Strum since I was 19 years old. Yeah. And um, and it feel good to see, just see the kids grow. Now these kids are parents. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. when you walk through the hallway, you can see a kid and you just, I mean, <laughs> you know if it's they... not the look, it's the action, <laughs> it's their movement, just the things that they do. But as a coach, you are a father. Yeah. You are a minister. Yeah. You are a counselor. Yeah. I mean, you name all, you know. And believe it or not, I, I mostly coach girls, but I believe me, I'm a father figure to everybody. You sure. Know? And uh, and I like when you say uh, like um, they got the the good guy, the nice person, then yeah. they got the one the you one. respect. Yes. Which yes. sometimes you you have to be the bad guy. You have to be the one to say no. Everybody wants a parade when you say yes to everything, but you don't do anybody anything good. It's like you know going to the gym. Yeah, you know you hate it. Who loves it? You know, unless you're dragging down six or seven million dollars a month for it. But coach, I'll come to you next. Same thing. Formula. I mean, I'm sure you're going to be similar to Eric and in, in, in what you're saying about the respect and then the role model. But but what about it? Um, yeah, I mean, they hit it. They hit it on the on the head perfectly. Uh, I think one one key thing is uh, I heard a saying: the kids don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's right. And I think I think that's what's going to be emphasized. Like you know, Mr. Douglas said, you know, we're going to have people that have a passion mm-hmm. for for doing what they're doing. Um, you know, and also we will hold the kids accountable now. You know, the, yeah. you know, the kids have to follow suit. Yeah. You know, you know, the passion has to it has to be followed with enthusiasm uh, by our, by our, by our kids. So, a- yeah. Anthony, what do you say? And you're on you're on a different end yeah. because you sure. get to work with. Teachers, principals, parents. legislators, parents, kids, the whole gamut. So yeah, you see so where every circle needs to be checked off. Right. What would your formula look like? My formula would be all about uh, teachers, parents, uh, administrators working together to create a community of achievement achievement mm-hmm. for students. Whenever I started teaching, back when I was 23, getting my career started, started um, I taught in my old high school, West St. Mary High School. Yeah. It's a small community. We have one red light in our town. Uh, but, the like, literally one red light in the town. But uh, the students, they respected me because they knew I came from that school. Yep. I was coming back to teach them. Yeah. But they didn't believe in themselves to start off because they yeah. didn't know that it was possible to go from Baldwin, Louisiana, to go to university for four years yeah. and make something of yourself. Yeah. So me being a living example of that. Uh, but I made sure that they got their grades, and I stayed on without being the coach. I was really tough on my mm-hmm. students, and I showed them that I believe that they could achieve. But it took more than me showing that I believe that they could achieve. I have to talk to their parents uh, to get their parents on board and have their parents believe in them. Because I could believe in them as much as I can, but if their parents don't believe in them as well, they're not getting that same reinforcement at home. Um, so then working with the students, not just to get the grades, but also showing them how do you apply for college, how do you get the FAFSA, um, what scholarships can you apply for, because their parents don't have that information. Sure. Either. So something that uh, is promising with the Strummer community and what we've been doing with Stanford Children is that there's a willingness for the administration to work with parents and for us to connect parents to the school. Um, parents have been very plugged in on what's going on in the Strummer, but in order for the Strummer to be successful and the students to be successful there, um, we know that it has to be a community approach where everybody's working together for the for uh, for the better of the for the betterment of the children and the scholars that are going there. I want to throw this at all of y'all, and you can jump in however you like. And I want to talk about self-worth, right? All black men here talking about this subject. Charles Wallace pastors, he's a friend of mine, he pastors a church in 70805. And he, he uses as a case in point about self-worth because of the judgments that society makes. Young men with their britches, excuse me for anybody under 30, your pants hanging down under their behind, Right? And he says this, which I think is very grounded without judgment or being pious. He says, if you can get a young man to lift his mind, 
you can get him to lift his pants. Well said. Right? So I love that because to make a judgment without understanding how he got to a place to where he thinks that's okay, you can't fix it, right? So self-worth and whatever that looks like to you, how do we impact young people to the degree that they have value in themselves as an individual? Once again, leading by example, as Mr. Douglas pointed out earlier, dressing, walking the walk, mm-hmm. talking the talk. At the same time, letting them know, I'm from your community. Sure. I was a Title I kid, and I didn't know what <laughs> Title I meant back then. Okay? And now we're implementing this program and utilizing those funds to help uh, level the playing field, so yeah. to speak. But the bottom line is, at the end of the day, we have to teach them to respect themselves, to sure. respect one another. Sure. If you don't respect yourself, and respect is mutual. If right. you want it, want it, you have to give it. Right. One of the visions I have is having mirrors. And, of course, we could use real mirrors because we don't want something that can break and hurt one another. Sure. But perhaps a metal mirror is periodically placed throughout the school. I want to be able to pull you to side and say, come here, Clay. Take a look in this mirror. Mm-hmm. Do you look employable? Mm-hmm. Little things like that. Taking them and pulling them to the side. Not confronting them in front right. of their peers. Or, yeah, embarrassing them. that sidebar right. conversation right. about appearance, right. about right. the way to carry yourself, right. about the way to look a person directly in the eye and give them a firm handshake. Simply, many of them simply don't know because no one has pulled them aside Nobody's to told teach them. them that. Nobody's told them. Yes, and sir. so you judge them based upon information that they've never had. Um, I used, Mike, I taught myself to tie a tie in high school because none of the men around me knew how to tie ties, right? And so I became, now I'm obsessive about, <laughs> about the tie knot, but, but my grandfather used to have me tie his ties for him and leave them on a hanger. He's been dead a very long time, but... I used to do that. And then I think about it now when I talk to young men about the symbolism of a tie, right? There is symbolism in a tie. It's about where you wear them, how you wear them, and the whole thing. And again, if you take a step back without judging these kids, you'd be surprised how much information they would consume if you just share it with them. It's not like they don't want it. Nobody's telling them. Handshakes. That's As a man... That's one of those fundamental principles of being a man is knowing how to shake somebody's hand and what you do when you shake someone's hand or the importance of eye contact. It's called fathering. All right. So now, same thing, self-worth, because y'all are on you guys as coaches, because I've had some coaches that didn't seem like they were interested in my self-worth when they were yelling at me, but it was all for an expected end. What about that? Self-worth, I guess going back to uh, what I said earlier uh, about, one, leading by example and being that father figure. Sure. Uh, And one thing about me uh, with coaching, you you have to lead. You got to realize kids are looking for someone someone to lead them. Yeah. And you got to tell them the truth. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I think that's that's a big problem with the adults. We don't tell them the truth. You know? Explain. Explain what you mean. Basically, we want somebody else to tell them. You know, we don't want to tell them. And I feel like, like you say, like we're black men here. We got to tell the truth. We got to tell them why you shouldn't wear your pants mm-hmm. down on your behind, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. we all know why you sure. shouldn't, you sure. know. That is basically a prison thing. Yeah. And uh, and see, a lot of people just don't want to talk about it. Yeah. As long as we keep hiding the truth, it's yeah. going to always affect our kids. And they never know. And you can do it, as you were saying, without embarrassing them. You don't that's have correct. to, you know, that's a, the great thing about sports. Sports is a meritocracy. You start if you work hard. It's not just ability. It's if you work hard. And I'm sure as coaches, there are kids that you let get prime spots because they're not the most talented, but they have an engine and they work hard and they respect the process. I tell my sons, your attitude has to be, no matter what, you are not the second hardest worker in the group. That's what you're shooting for. It could happen, but it is not your intention. If he's swinging a hammer, you're swinging a hammer. If his shovel's going, yours, you're, and it's an ethic that will take you wherever you want to go. Not every person is going to grow up to be a billionaire or a millionaire or even make $100,000 a year. But you can put yourself in position to be happy. And have and, and take care of your needs. Do we do a good enough job of making kids understand that? 
But no, oh. can I can I say this? I'm sorry. Can I say this one one sure. thing I want to say? It also starts with the female. Uh, by me being a, a a coach for for young ladies, sure. uh, I try to teach them how you should be treated. You know, Uh-oh. they always say you cannot. Uh, Eric, you. <laughs> <laughs> they, they say you a man cannot teach a. Uh, a a, a young lady how to be a woman but you're right but i can teach her how to be treated mm-hmm. and so if you teach if you teach that young lady how to be treated yeah then guess what the men gonna pull their pants about yes indeed she's gonna show she don't want that you know <laughs> so that is so key that is so key so, it is there's a lot of power there that's about another hour and a half discussion that we yes. can have. <laughs> go ahead coach <laughs> Now, now you notice how easy that rolled off to his tongue. <laughs> now you got a little uncomfortable when you start talking about it. But the reason I just sat back because I seen this man work yeah. with these young ladies. Yeah. And he's a man. Yeah. He's a basketball guy. Yep. He can probably coach yeah. any out coach any basketball coach. Yes. Male or female. But he the way he works with these young ladies and treats them with respect. And it, 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 he does something for those girls and and they respond. They respond. Now, he's a basketball guy. So yeah. let me say this as far as regards to football and to yeah. the, as regards yeah. to the question. The reason I love football so much is because it teaches you so many lessons outside of the playing field. Explain. For instance, if anyone ever suited up and played football, you done got knocked down. No I question. Care. I don't care if you're Ray yeah, Lewis. No somebody no done question. put you on your butt. No question. Now, the thing is, it's not whether you get put on your butt. It's how do you get up. Right. The thing about life, you're going to get knocked down. Yep. You're going to have some bad days. The thing that's going to test to your character is how do you respond to your bad days? Mm-hmm. How do you respond to your bad days? How do you move forward? That's what I love about football. That's what I love about the, some of the things that it teach you. Teach you about being a part of a team. Mm-hmm. You're going to meet people from all different types of walks of life. I'll never forget. I went to Woodland, like I say, but I was there from MDM Transfer. Mm-hmm. If y'all aren't from you with MDM Transfer, that was minority to majority transfer. Right. I was in a black community. Yeah. I had an opportunity to go to Woodland to play, to go to uh, Woodland to get away from uh, the predominantly black community mm-hmm. to see something different. Well, anyway, I was able to meet people from different walks of life. Speaking of the 1.5 GPA and all that good stuff, mm-hmm. I was a 1.5 student. I didn't know what school was for. Right. I thought it was solely a babysitting service. He saved that one for me when I was talking about that a second ago. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I didn't say nothing. I just sit back and I. So, so you understand where I was coming from when I, I said that? I understand exactly yeah. where you're coming yeah. from. Well, uh, can we do this? Okay. Just so everybody listening is in the okay. loop on what we're talking about. No, stay okay. right there. We were talking before we came on about uh, Superintendent Drake's uh, initiative to bring the, the, the grade point average, I think, down to 1.5 so that kids would qualify. And his long-term end was if we can get them to fall in love with that, get them to want to play sports and get them to stay in the classroom, then hopefully we can do the work to get them to fall in love with education and long enough to keep them so they graduate. Yeah. And I was in a meeting where he talked, and we grilled him on it, but he explained it and I got it. Because I understood because, you know, I knew guys who, if it wasn't for basketball or football, ain't no way in hell they would have stayed in school. You know, lunches weren't that great. So so you're saying you you were one of those kids and look at you now. So talk about that. Just now everybody's in. And and first off, y'all forgive me for my passion that's coming through this mic, but this is this is life. Yeah. In regards to the one point five, long story short. My mother passed away when I was six years old. I was raised by my my father, went back and forth with my father and my grandmother. Uh, my only graduate, college graduate, on my mother's side of the family. Wow. Uh, to graduate from high school was an achievement. Wow. With that being stated, a GPA, I didn't know what that was. I, didn't, I wasn't concerned. Uh, I was going to, I was planning to drop out in ninth grade. Um, but fortunately I stayed in school mm-hmm. just long enough to play football. Well, one day I'm in the weight room cause you know, the football team lives. Sure. And my best friend who was a teammate of mine, he said, what college you going to? And I looked at him. I said, college, man, I'm not about to go to college. I'm barely getting through high school. What you talking about? And without even thinking about it, he looked and said, man, you tripping, go to college. And when he said that, 
I say, wait, he copied off my papers, and I know I ain't smart. My, the competitor in me instantly kicked in. Yeah. It had nothing to do with school. It was simply, this my partner. Yeah. This my boy. Yeah. This my teammate. He ain't smarter than me. <laughs> and he's going. And he talking about going to college. <laughs> so I went to the guidance counselor the next day. I say, I don't know what my GPA, my JP, my GPA is. I don't know what it takes to get into college. I just so I'm coming to you to see what I have to do to get there. She looked at my GPA. I had a 1.5, mm-hmm. which was the minimum yeah. to play football, which yes. is the only reason yeah. I was staying in school. Yeah, right. She say, listen, you have a 1.5. If you do this, this, and this, you can get up to a 2.0, yeah. which will get you into BRCC. Mm-hmm. BRCC was just, just coming around at yeah. that time. Yeah. I say, okay. I finished that semester. I ended up getting bringing my 1.5 up to a 2.0 right before my senior year. Mm-hmm. I went back to her. Beginning of my senior year, I say, look, this is where I am. She say, you know what? If you do this, this, and this, and you get your GPA to a 2.5 before you graduate, you can go to Southern University. Long story short, I graduated from Southern University with a 3.1. With a 3.1 GPA, (laughs) and I've been dedicated and committed to changing kids' lives. I don't... I don't, when people talk to me, I don't talk about wins and losses. If you do what you're supposed to do, if you do the right thing the right way every time, wins and losses are going to come. Yeah. But you got to be patient. It's the groundwork. Put work. the work in. It's the groundwork. It's the groundwork. As academicians hearing him tell that story, because I got goosebumps here, right. but he gotta be, he's got to give a hell of a uh, speech before game, man, because I'm fired up now. Right, but right. Well, after hearing that, what, what do you think? Well, first let me talk about Coach. Uh, when we uh, – we had an opportunity to sit on and talk with Coach. He blew us away. Well, I heard you say these words a few minutes ago about respecting the process. Yeah. I've never seen a young man respect the process yeah. of a job interview like yeah. he did. Yeah. He came in there. He just truly blew He blew us away. Uh, you know, he respected the process. Yeah. I've never seen anything like it before. Uh, when I listen to Coach talk, and I'm, so I'm just going to be honest with you, what's sure. still in my mind, uh, Coach said that um, – that he uh, had a 1.5, mm-hmm. and he said that there were some things that he didn't understand. And so I'm going to be honest, and I'll just be right here. What I'm going to be honest about is somebody was letting Coach down. And let me tell you why. Because if I got a young man on my campus, listen to me, and I got a 1.5, and nobody's sitting down with this young man counseling, he had to go to them. Because you see what's in him. He had to go you could have missed him if that wasn't in him. Right. Somebody, look, and this is what we have to do. When I talk about... You know, loving kids. Yeah. You know, when I talk about working hard. Yeah. Meeting their needs. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. You, somebody could have met. Look, if he would, if his friend wouldn't have talked to him, and he hadn't gone to the counselor, think about what yeah. may have, what we may have lost. But that's special. That's rare. That's special. Yeah. So, right. So think about the kids we have lost. Yeah. Because somebody did not work hard enough, care about them enough, have the passion enough. To say, look, let's let's find all our kids yeah. who got a low GPA. Let's sit them down and let's create a plan for these kids to make sure that they're successful. And that's what we got to make sure we do. We cannot afford to lose kids. We have to meet their needs, um, and uh, no matter who they are, you know, we can't afford to lose any young men because somebody didn't do their job. Before we move on, I want to give everybody an opportunity to respond to what he just said. Because I agree with you a billion percent. It's like there's something special in you that that competitive. Like I'm petty competitive too. So I'm, I get the impression you're petty competitive. I am. I, I admit it. I own my flaws. But what about the kid who has the same ability and who has the capability of having a blaze in him, but nobody has yet lit the fire? Is that the responsibility of the teacher or the principal or the guidance counselor? Who's, or is it the parent? Whose responsibility is that? First, I was that 1.5 kid too. <laughs> Except I was that 1.6 kid. Okay, and um, one He's thing petty competitive yeah. too. Yes, yes. <laughs> one thing again, the coaches saved me sure. because my parents really didn't want me to play sports. Mm. So guess what? I had no reason to. I had no motivation. I had no reason to come to school and want to do do anything. Yeah. And I know that sounds bad, but it, it, the motivation just wasn't there. And I see so many kids like that. And see, that's when the teacher come in. That's yeah. when Coach Douglas come in because he was a coach. Yeah. I knew him as a coach. Yeah. You know? And so, and that was always powerful for me. Whenever I, whenever I see um, a male figure 
and I see that he's a coach, I know he has control of so many kids. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, and and I'm not taking away whether from, he knows it or not. Yes. Yeah. I'm not taking nothing away from the teacher, but uh, at the end of the day, I mean that coach is like. Really, I don't know how they can do it. I don't know how they can teach and coach at the same time. Because yeah. guess what? That's hard. Difficult. You yes. got you to counsel the kids. Yeah. Then you might have some stuff that you need to do off of, off, off of campus, you yeah. know, that got to be done because yeah. you might have a game. Yeah. You know, so you have to have people on your team that's going to help you with these kids. And they got to have the same vision. And that's one thing um, with uh, Coach Graydon that got me. He has, I'm about to call you Coach Douglas, vision. <laughs> Yeah, Mr. Douglas' vision, and that's that's key. You, Tell him you'll coach. always be coach. And I feel like long long as they're on the same page, I mean, uh, a streamer gonna be uh, wonderful. And the, the thing that I'm I'm well, I'm not even worried about anymore, and that's quality principal. We got that. Yeah, and quality teachers. Yeah. Okay, here yeah. we go. Yep. Quality programs. Yeah. I mean, I want some. I want to see real programs. Can we talk about that school. when you talk about programs? Like, what types of programs are you talking about? And Anthony, I'd like you to jump in on that as well. What kind of programs are you talking about? So we we're really excited about the college and career ready programs. So programs that have uh, that kids can come out of high school either earning a living wage, either through HVAC or early ed training, um, or programs where kids can go directly to a two year or four year university. So having partnerships with uh, with local schools is important, but just uh, it's a very broad spectrum of being college and career ready. I know there were a lot of programs um, initially that we were talking about coming to Struma, and the first year, all of those may not be able to roll out, uh, but we're excited about the community aspect, tying the community into the school, um, but definitely the college and career, career ready program. Can I ask you all about something on the opposite side of the coin? And, and I know that you all understand that the, the the specter of peer pressure over children who it comes easier for uh, kids who can sit in class and who have the ability and the talents and, and they can achieve at the highest level, but either do not, or they've got that superior level of intellect, but they don't know how to connect to get it. Like you, you look at them as educators, you know, man, son, you, you, you know, this stuff, you can, you can do this stuff. You should be, you know, 4.0 student, but you know, there is some, and, and I may not be articulating it in a way to make it make a lot of sense, but I'm talking about the kids who can achieve at that higher level, who either choose not to, because they don't want to quote unquote, look smart, or the kids who you see that ability in, but there's some obstruction in the connection between effort and result. Does that mean, am I making sense? It does and if I can, sense. please speak to that for me. Yeah, well, the most important thing that a school, well, one of the most important things that a school can do is to create a culture and a climate of success. Okay. When you walk on campus, you know that that is a school where there is some success going on. Kids are learning. Teachers are giving 100% effort. You can walk in and you can look at the print environment. When I walk in this room, you know, I can tell that there's something special going on in here. Mm -hmm. First thing I did when I walked in was start looking around, had an opportunity to sign a door. You build a culture long before I walked in this room. Oh, yeah. Schools should be the same way. Yeah. When you walk in, you can tell that, look, that I am in a place that's special. You know, it is and I just as an aside, I've never told this on the on on the podcast. The reason I have that door and I ask people to sign it because everybody who's on the show, I want them to sign it because anything that we do that's worth anything, you contributed to it, and I want your mark left in the room. And so that's why that's why that door is there. And so now that Alex has signed it, right. it's official now. I can take it down and get a new one. But go ahead, Coach. And so and so you know we have to create. You know, all schools have to create. Uh, you know, a, a, a culture of success. Yeah. And one of the things you have to do is you have to give kids vision. I mean, so... How do you do that? Well, great. So as soon as a kid gets on your campus, you sit down with these kids mm -hmm. and you look at what they've done in the past. They could have been a great student. They mm -hmm. could have been, you know, okay student. And you tell them, look, if this is where you want to go, and you start mapping it out for them, mm -hmm. look, these are the things that you have to do to achieve your goal. Yeah. Now, you know, and I can't... Uh, I can't tell you enough how important it is that in each classroom that you go in, each classroom you have people inside those classrooms. A teacher's job can't be understated that are, you know, giving 150% to those kids. Yeah. That Look, that there is no substitute for that. There is mm -hmm. no substitute for the work that's put in on that level. It goes in in each classroom. I got four classes I'm going to today and four classes I'm going to tomorrow. And each class that I go in, I have the same 
quality, high expectations. And we say, well, what is the high expectation? Well, somebody has sat down for me and they have mapped out what I need to do to be successful in yeah. this classroom yeah. and holding me accountable for it. You know, and go to each classroom and have that same experience. You know, that's one of the things that creates that culture that we're talking about. You know, we say we're going to create a, create a climate of success. That's how we do it. What do you say? Well, I listened to your question a little early, and you sound like you were talking about me. <laughs> that kid that was in school wow. that was doing yeah. just enough to get by yeah. academically but had all of the academic potential in yeah. the world. Yeah. And you said what caused it, peer pressure. Mm-hmm. It was important for me to be accepted. It was important for me to show that, hey, I wasn't a nerd. I didn't want to be labeled, oh, a little smart kid. And, and coming from the type of environment that many of the kids that we're going to be serving, that bothers them. Chasing average when you have greatness in you. That it's it's yeah. important for them to be accepted by their peers, yeah. want to be cool, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. And Coach Gradney said something a little earlier. In football, you fall. No matter how good you are, how big you are, you fall, and you have to know how to get up. Mm-hmm. But what did he say? It's about how you get up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it took a few stumbles and a few <laughs> hard falls to wake Marlon Kuzan up. Yeah. And um, as a result, you know, through some of my poor judgment, I had to step back and take a look and, and self-evaluate. And yes, say, sir. You yeah. know what? I can do so much better yeah. than this. Yeah. Then you have to look at your environment. You yeah. have to break the cycle of poverty. Do not, again, like I said earlier, allow your current zip code to determine your destination. Mm. In fact, use it as your motivation, <laughs> saying, hey, I want better than this. Right. And then you establish some goals, and then you put forth, a, uh, you set plans to achieve those goals. Then you put that plan into action. I mean, it's so powerful to hear y'all talk about all of this and y'all are actually doing it. This isn't this isn't from a distance. Y'all are in the trenches every day. And the and I, I've been around phenomenal men and try to help. And the thing that is in the back of my mind is that there's so many kids who need this and so few people actually in the trenches. How can we change that, man? How can we get more people? You know, Stanford Children has staffers and parent advocates and educators and educator advocates and all stars and all of these things. It's a it's a great organization. Four and a half of the five years they've been here, I've been involved in one capacity or another. But there are so many kids just in EBR thousands. How do we attract more people to this cause of giving children a chance? So something we're working on at Standone. There are a lot of D and F schools in our yeah. district. Yeah. So with the streamer coming back, it's a breath of fresh air. But we really want the streamer to succeed, um, especially with the with the parent input and it being a community school. Yeah. Because if a streamer can succeed in North Baton Rouge, then we know other schools can succeed. No in doubt. North Baton Rouge. Um, but it comes down to communication. The district has to work with other stakeholders to come up with a tangible plan mm-hmm. to reduce the number of D and F schools that we have in our district. How's that going? Um, Slow and steady, but uh, <laughs> okay. It, it's, it takes all stakeholders to come to the table together with mm-hmm. the with the vision that we want all of our kids to go be going to either A, B, or C school at minimum. Uh, but they deserve of, that. Yeah, there are a lot of kids trapped in in D and F schools. So, um, so from the position, and I'll ask this to the two of you specifically with the work that you're doing in Stand, and specifically here in EBR, grade the progress that you have been able to make since Warren has been there, because that's all we can really track. Can't talk about anybody before him. It really isn't fair. Sure. But since he's been there, how is it going? And what? no matter where it is, what can we do to make it better? I'll say keeping the conversation on the Struma, the work that we've done with the Struma and the district um, from a parent perspective has been, I'd give that a, 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 a Oh, wow. Way. Okay. Because um, parents have been involved in the front end. Yeah. They, we hosted community forums um, back whenever – we weren't even sure if a stream was going to come back. We set right. a goal for when the stream would come back and follow through with that. Um, Coach Eric really led the work canvas in getting thousands of signatures in support of a stream mm-hmm. and getting parents together who came up with some basic demands of what they wanted to see the school look like when yeah. they came back. Yeah. And seeing all that implemented and the, the superintendent and the district hearing that um, and making that commitment with the with the newest stream has been really promising. Uh, I think for the long run, we have to keep parents engaged involved with the process mm-hmm. um, in order for it to be a true success. But I'd say with the superintendent, I'm just talking about a streamer right, right sure, now. Sure. It's been a it's been a great a great experience. Um even just last week we had parents who felt like they were kind of out of the loop. We talked to the school board president and she charged the superintendent with giving us an a streamer update. 
Um, Good. Giving the parents an update just so that parents know where the stream is going good. and where everything stands. So it's been, uh, communication's been good. That's a drastic change from what it was before. Uh, the community didn't know that the school was shutting down, yeah. that the RSD was shutting down. It was yeah. a surprise to a lot of people. Um, having that, those open lines of communication. Well, cool. you got to know, Anthony's got the sense of humor and a sense of humor of a sharp axe. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so what do you say? I love, but the, the point is, if you give him an A, it's got to be legit. So, but what do you say? I basically echo his sentiments. Yeah. Um, I really hold Mr. Drake in high regard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've been in the system 23 years. Sure. This is the seventh superintendent I've yeah. worked under. And he's an open communicator. And he does, uh, Mr. Drake does realize that it's the stakeholders. You mm-hmm. have to give the stakeholders input. You have sure. to give some ownership. And and that's what he's done with this. Uh, as Anthony indicated, uh, the Struma High Advisory Council, they researched the curriculum. They researched course opportunities mm-hmm. that align to the prevailing uh, job opportunities sure. in the area. Yeah. Preferably uh, process technology. Then, of course, the committee then used that feedback uh, obtained from the community and the businesses to develop the pathway opportunities that we're going to be providing at Astruma High. I was with Todd Graves this morning, and he had some kids in his building downtown. And, you know, they do the lemonade thing during the summer. And one of the kids raised $1,200 selling lemonade. So they gave him an award because these were kids who were young entrepreneurs. So now you think about that now. Now, you know, 50 cents a cup, all right? And, and watching those children tour that building downtown, which is very, very nice, some of those kids in that room, when they get to where they're going, are going to say, let me tell you where it started. On a Tuesday in Baton Rouge, downtown, at the Chicken Man's building. <laughs> the chicken, and I think that, and I say that to say this, that I don't think that any contribution of any person can be too small. Any little thing that someone can give for these kids is a large enough contribution to give. Is that fair? So we've been going almost 52 minutes, so you guys have to promise to come back here. And because there we there there are lots of other things to talk about, but I appreciate y'all. Anthony, give contact information on Stand where people can learn more about what Stand is doing in EBR and across Louisiana. Yep, it's uh, Stand.org forward slash Louisiana. All right, thank y'all, man. I appreciate y'all coming in and sitting with me. Thank you so thank much. You for us. Thank you, Fabulous. Back to wrap up in just a moment. This is Dr. Mary Catherine Roderick, and I'm Katie Fetzer. We're the owners and co-founders of The Wellness Studio, a mental health practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. We are also your host for The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com. Our podcast is a journey into the world of mental health. On our show, we're going to discuss some of the various forms of mental health conditions. We're also going to shed light on the various ways our listeners can get a better understanding of how the mind works and why we do what we do. So subscribe today to get The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107.3 mobile app. And now today's Manners Minute. We need to love only when it's convenient, don't we? And we tend to love only when we feel like it. No wonder there's not enough love in this world. Now more than ever, our world needs more love. Our neighborhoods need more love. Loving our neighbors requires that we love when it's inconvenient and that we love when we don't feel like it. I know we all work long days and for many long nights. It's so easy to go and calm without interaction with our neighbors. I'm just as guilty as the next person. We need to know we're loved, don't we? And our neighbors need to know it too. Instead of waiting for someone to ask us over for supper, why not do the inviting first? Sharing good food with good conversation leads to connection. And that's what love does. It connects us. Visit hashtag BRRespect at mannersoftheheart.org to join the movement and sign the pledge with respect. Baton Rouge thrives. Welcome back to the Clay Young Show. Man, it just fires you up to hear all of that candor and, and the focus and the story with the coach there who talked about in what I call petty competitiveness you know you're you're competitive to the point of almost being petty and I loved how he said he he and he's self-motivated as much as he talked about what happened with his friend I do think there was something in him that was about him being able to motivate himself because not everyone has that ability and him telling that story and how it pushed him through and it just goes to show you that someone's present circumstance doesn't necessarily have to reflect where they're going in the future 
And that was a great example of it. And I'm hoping to do more of that with these men. It was really a fun conversation, and I am so glad that you listened to it. They gave you contact information on how to stay up with Stand for Children. You can follow me on Twitter, at ClayYoungBR, for me, or on Facebook. You can also email me. The email address directly through the Podcast 225 website is simple. Clay at Podcast225.com. You guys have a fantastic fantastic rest of your day or morning or whatever wherever you are and thank you again for listening to my show here on podcast 225.com thanks for listening join us next week for another edition of the clay young show